Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Um, I brought my lunch. It's going to be a long sermon. No, um, this is sack of groceries because there's still a lot of hunger going on in our backyard. And so we're taking a two-pronged attack to feed hungry people. And I'm just going to tell you about one. The first is this. When you go out, and only when you go out, as you go out to get food for yourself, pick up an extra bag of groceries for hungry people. Bring it to our church on the Milwaukee roadside of our building. There's a drive through canopy. Under the canopy are grocery carts. Just put the sacks of food, the bags of groceries, non-perishable groceries, in the grocery carts. And there'll come a day um, when we will distribute them. People will just drive up, pop their trunk, we'll put them in the trunk, and off they'll go with good social distancing. So help the hungry. I'm going to set these down. And... Um, I did want to ask you about social distancing. You are doing good social distancing, aren't you? Uh, Like every good American, I suppose, and every good Christian. Uh, Deb and I had some struggles this week. Uh, Deb went out to get some essential supplies, and a guy came up to her and wanted to give her a hug. And she's like, oh, back off, dude. Uh, That ain't right. And, And then I went to the drugstore, uh, to get some medicine and talk to some people from church there. And we kept a good social distance, told each other that we loved each other, that we missed each other, that we missed doing church. And we couldn't wait to get back to church again together. And we were committed to watching online just like you are. But then as I'm going out the store, I hear someone call my name. And so I turn around to wave, but the person comes right up to me. And tells me that for the last three days, the family has been in and out of the hospital with the flu. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a few steps back. And uh, I said, we just need some distance. I'm going to pray for you. You stand over there, six feet away. I'll stand over here. I'm going to pray for you and your family right now. Now, we're in the entryway uh, of the store. And I bow my head and I begin to pray. And uh, when my prayer is done and I say amen and I open my eyes, they're standing right beside me. And I'm like, ah! Run out of the store. So I've come up with, and they're probably thinking, that is one psycho pastor. Um, But I've come up with my own social distancing tool when I got to get medicine or I got to get food. And you may want to use this as well. It's a tape measure. And I'm going to get it out to about six feet. And this is how I'm going to go in the store. When I see somebody I know, hi, how you doing? Look pretty good. Uh, don't come any closer. If they look kind of sick, I'm going to pull it out a couple more feet and say, uh, keep your distance, but uh, God bless you. And um, if it's a vampire, I'll make a cross. Get thee behind me, Satan. So just trying to help you out. Uh, you know, I tease a lot. Uh, about liking spam just to get cheap laughs uh, here at church. But this week, someone brought two cans of spam in a plastic bag and hung them on my back door, which is awesome. 
But now I'm not teasing. I want you to know I love T-bone steak. I love food. I'm addicted to food. But I want to tell you about the most important meal ever served. This is my favorite meal. Of all the meals I eat all week, this is my number one meal. And to tell you the truth, I try to eat it every day. Now, did you know that uh, death and disease came into our world through eating bad food? I'm not talking about China. I'm talking about the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve, the first human beings, eating the forbidden fruit. And with their disobedience to God, boom, disease and death is unleashed on our world. But then our Jesus comes and he institutes another kind of meal that promotes health and life. I'm not talking about kale and carrots and rice cakes. I'm talking about the Lord's Supper. A bit of bread that represents the body of Jesus crucified on the cross and a sip of juice, grape juice, representing his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And so to institute this uh, meal that just generates and produces health and life and the things in life that money can't buy like love and joy and peace and the presence of God and a release in your life of the supernatural power of God for your struggles, Jesus hosts this special dinner. And it's a lamb dinner, which is kind of a big deal because here we have Jesus, the lamb of God, who would be slaughtered for the sins of the world, who was serving lamb. Another unique thing about this lamb dinner is that there could be no leftovers. Every bite of lamb had to be consumed. It was a foreshadowing of Jesus on the cross when he would consume all the wrath of God do you for your sin. All the judgment of God do me for my sin. All the condemnation of God do the world for a word full of sin. Jesus would absorb, would consume it all in our behalf. But another unique aspect of this meal, when the lamb was prepared, no bones could be broken. Because it was prophesied of Jesus that not one, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. You see, remember when Jesus is on the cross being executed for our sin, uh, that after hours of suffering and anguish, uh, two strong-armed Roman soldiers with clubs approached the thieves being executed on either side of Jesus and with wild, vicious swings broke their legs to speed up their death. But when they came to Jesus, they dropped their clubs because Jesus was already dead. This was in fulfillment of the prophecy that he would keep all of his bones, that not one of them would be broken. This is some kind of meal. But, but, but to really get the full meaning of this, this meal and uh, let you understand why Deb and I do this meal every time we pray at home. 
I want to give you the backstory of this lamb dinner story. And the backstory occurred 1,500 years before Jesus initiates this meal. In fact, it was a meal practiced by the Jewish people. It was a holiday meal practiced on this holiday, Passover, for the last 1,500 years. And here's why. God's people had been slaves in Egypt 1,500 years previously. They had been slaves in Egypt for like 400 years. I mean, it was miserable. It was agonizing. And they would cry out to God in unison. And God heard the cries of their heart. He showed compassion. He had mercy. And he sends his man, Moses, to speak to the king of Egypt saying, let my people go. And if you don't let my people go, all kinds of bad stuff is going to come down on you. And the king of Egypt, he's like, Moses, I don't give a rip what you say. I'm not afraid of all your bad stuff. Give me your best shot. And so nine times in a row, ugly plagues hammered Egypt. Still, Pharaoh wouldn't budge. Finally, Moses comes back one last time, says, you know, this is going to be the mother of all bad stuff if you don't let God's people go. And the king of Egypt, he's like, you know, I'm calling your bluff on this mother of all bad stuff. Let it happen. Moses is like, okay, this is your last chance, jerk. So this is the uh, death angel's going to come. Death angel. And, and the firstborn son in every home, even your home king, firstborn son is going to die. King says, give me your best shot. I don't believe you. I'm going to sit on my throne. And as long as I'm on my throne, ain't nothing bad happened to me or my family. So, so Moses goes back to God's people, the Jewish people, and he says to them, hey, I've got great news for you. Your families will be spared of death. Here's what you got to do. Take a lamb, a perfect lamb, split its belly, take the blood of the lamb and wipe it on the doors of your home. When the death angel sees the blood of the lamb, he'll pass over your family. No one will die in your family. And so that's what they did. And they they, they took the lamb, they split its belly, they put the blood on their door, and then they were to eat the lamb. And they were not to boil it or bake it or microwave it. They were to roast it in fire. Again, a foreshadowing of Jesus who would bear all the fiery wrath of God for our sin, the wrath of God on the lamb of God. And they were to eat every single bite. And they did. And the death angel did come. And all with the blood on the door of their home, he passed over and they had life. And where there was no blood on the door, death was the result. And so now, our Lord Jesus is initiating a meal that had been done for centuries, 1,500 years, on this Passover holiday. And before I tell you exactly how he did it, I want to explain to you why Deb and I take communion every time 
we pray at home. We get a little cup of juice, oyster crackers at our house, and we go before our God in prayer. You see, some years ago, Deb and I were going through a painful, painful, painful impossibility. It was the absolute worst time of our lives. And we were absolutely at the end of ourselves, exhausted, physically, mentally spent, emotionally done in. And we just felt like this was impossible. We saw no end in sight. We saw no hope. And so Deb suggested that, that we should take communion every night and pray. And I agreed with her. And, and we began, that began, became our daily practice. And now I thank God. We continue to do it, though I believe God heard our prayers, though I believe God released his unstoppable, triumphant power, released by the shed blood and broken body of Jesus. And I believe that we, we pray and I believe that we live in the resurrection power of Jesus because everything that, that was purchased for us by his sacrificial death on the cross released the triumphant, unstoppable resurrection power of God for our lives. And so I, I say to the Lord every night when we pray and take communion, Lord, we want to do our marriage in the resurrection power of Jesus. Lord, protect us from this coronavirus by the resurrection power of Jesus. Lord, protect our whole church. Protect all of our family. Lord, we want to do our finances in the resurrection power of Jesus. And, and he has been faithful. And so, you know, three weeks ago, our first online worship, I challenged you to have faith. Don't be afraid. Have faith. And last week, I challenged you. Stand up for Jesus. You stand up for Jesus, he'll fight for you and you'll win. Stand up for Jesus, make it real. And so this week, I'm, I'm challenging to do what Deb and I do. We're nothing special. But I believe you can take time at the most appropriate time in your home for your family to sit down and do communion. This is a spiritual practice that brings protection and provision Provision, peace, joy, hope, confidence, freedom. You can do this and you can experience this much of Jesus. So here's how Jesus did it. Luke describes the story this way. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table with his apostles. Now, I believe it, when the hour came, I believe that Jesus was outside the room. I believe Jesus was standing on like a little uh, patio area. You had to walk up a, a flight of steps to get there. And I believe Jesus was watching the night sky for the three, first three stars to appear. And when he saw the third star appear, now, you know the number three is a big deal number in the Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus was in the tomb three days before he was risen from the dead. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He sees the third star. This is the same practice that's done today in Israel when people celebrate Passover. Jesus sees that third star appear, and then he enters and is seated 
with his apostles. And he's going to launch this meal. Things are going to go really, really, really bad for Jesus. He's going to be um, betrayed by one of his own. He's going to be brutally beaten. He's going to be unfairly tried. His face is going to be beaten beyond recognition. His beard is going to be forcibly pulled out by the roots. He's going to be whipped within an inch of his life, suffering horrendous loss of blood. He's going to be crucified. But God has waiting for him a resurrection, a victory over hell, death, and the grave. I mean, all the powers of evil were going to try to trash Jesus, but God was going to give him unstoppable, triumphant victory. Life was thrown the worst at Deb and I a few years ago. And here's what I want, to, want you to take away. This is your takeaway today. To keep terrible trouble from totally trashing your life, turn to the triumphant truth, which is Jesus. And this triumphant truth is buried and released in the practice of the Lord's Supper or communion. Here's triumphant truth number one. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you reenact the death of Jesus. You're dying to self as he died to self. And there is power in this participation in the death of Jesus, which leads me to triumphant truth. Oh, let me just show you this. The death of Jesus, death of Jesus, um, it was our Holy is the Hebrew word. It was our physical diseases he carried, like the coronavirus. It was our macabre mental pain that weighed him down. So he carried all of our emotional, our mental anguish. He carried all of our sicknesses on the cross. In fact, Scripture says, by his wounds we are healed. Uh, maybe a literal translation of the Hebrew is, by his blows we are bound to him. And when you are bound to Jesus, you are bound to his love. You are bound to his peace. You are bound to his strength. You are bound to his wisdom. You are bound to his mercy and grace. You are bound to everything that is Jesus. But that's triumphant truth number one. When you participate, in communion, you are reenacting the death of Jesus and you can lay claim to his victory over hell, death, and the grave. It could be your victory over sickness, disease, weakness. Now, here's triumphant truth number two. Scripture says, I have complete confidence in the gospel. The gospel is Christ crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. It is God's explosive. Uh, the Greek word is dunamis. Uh, we get our word dynamite. It is God's explosive power to save, to deliver all who believe. And I, I believe that means deliver from heaven. I mean, that, that means deliver from sin. But I also believe it means deliver from addiction, deliver from anxiety, Deliver from poverty. Deliver from disease. Deliver from struggles in your marriage. Deliver from struggles in your parenting. Deliver from every kind of struggle. That's the gospel. That's what you're eating and drinking when you do the Lord's Supper. The gospel is the supernatural power of God that changes things and delivers you. Delivers all who believe. And so triumphant truth, number three, 
You can, I can, we can, you. You can, you can continually, get that? You can continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. If you believe that Jesus is God who died on the cross to pay for your sins and God raised him from the dead, if you believe that there's continual experience of the measurable greatness of God's power, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And, and, and so when Deb and I pray and take communion at home, we lay claim. The Bible says that can be our t- continual experience for our marriage and our ministry, for, for our family, our friends, for our health and well-being. doesn't keep me from being suffering from diabetes or a loss of eyesight. But in the midst of my weakness, I have his strength and his grace is all sufficient. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice, pull out your tape measure and practice good social distancing. But maybe even more important is the practice of spiritual intimacy. Getting as close to God as you can. And here's how. Jesus opened the communion meal, and this is how you can do it at your home. This is how I do it in mine with my Debbie. He opened it by offering a prayer of thanks to God. He didn't pull out a wish list of things that he wanted. He began to thank God for all his goodness. He began to thank God for everything. Oftentimes, there are times when I put myself to sleep with this practice. I'll be in bed and I just begin to enumerate in my mind every good thing that God has done for me. I think him that I was born healthy, that I was born a bear fan. Well, maybe not that. I thank him for my mom and dad. I thank him for the significant people that he put in my life. I just enumerate, enumerate, enum- I thank him that I get to be your pastor. I thank him for spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit. I just thank him, thank him, thank him. And so Jesus opens this meal and this is how you open communion. You just start thanking God, put your stuff on the side and open your heart up to God with gratitude. Because then the first thing you experience is the peace of God that passes all understanding. All of a sudden your stack of stuff dwindles in size because your peace gets bigger than your problems. After that prayer, was prayed, Jesus would have picked up what was called the cup of blessing. Now, this is kind of wild, but there were four cups of wine consumed in this meal, but this was not like a, a, a drunken ordeal. The wine was doubly diluted. One part wine, two parts water, like our grape juice. But the cup of blessing meant that they immediately then began to worship God. They started by thanking God, and that provoked worship. And and so they would begin to not say, God bless me. They would begin to say, God, we bless you. And likely Jesus said a blessing like this. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, master of the universe, who, who has kept us alive and sustained us and brought us to this special time. Isn't that an appropriate prayer right now? I want you to 
remember, maybe jot it down real quick so that when our time of communion comes at the end of my talk or as you practice this, this communion daily in your home, blessed are you, Lord, our God, master of the universe. He's in control of everything who has kept us alive and sustained us and brought us to this special time. That means brought us through the hard times and to the triumphant times. He's such a good Jesus. Now, personally, me, my favorite way of blessing God is Psalm 103 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion and satisfies your desires with good things. And so then in this meal, Jesus opens with a prayer of thanksgiving and people begin to experience the peace of God. The more we thank, the more peace we get. And then they begin to worship and bless God. And then Jesus would have taken a bowl of water and washed his hands, singing happy birthday twice. I'm just kidding. He would have taken a bowl of water and washed his hands and then passed it around the table to the 12 men who were at the meal with him and they would each wash their hands. This was a humble, humble gesture. Yes, it makes me think of baptism because these men were thinking, I don't deserve to have this meal with Jesus. I don't deserve to have this meal in the presence of God. God has been so good to me. I need to have my sins forgiven. I need to be cleansed of all guilt and shame. And that was the point of the washing. I am aware of my need to be cleansed inside and out by the grace of, of God. And um, then they went through the meal. They told stories. They sang songs. They, they ate all the lamb. And then this is what happened. He, he took bread Jesus did, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This had never happened before. This is the first time anybody had said something like this. For 1,500 years, this Passover meal had been celebrated and no one had ever done this. Jesus is violating protocol. His disciples are stunned. But he's given them a reminder that through his broken body, it's a reminder to us that we actually enter the presence of God. Look at this scripture, book of Hebrews. Now we may walk right into where God is, right where God is because of the blood of Jesus. This is the fresh, new, life-giving way that Christ opened for us by the tearing of his own human body to let us into the presence of God. And so we take the bread, and we break it, and we consume it. And as we consume it, we consume Jesus. And as we consume it, we are ushered into the very presence of God by what happened to the body of Jesus on the cross. Look at this text. After supper, he took the cup saying, this uh, wine is a token of God's new agreement to save you. An agreement I will seal with the blood I pour out to purchase back your souls. And so we drink the juice. By the poured out blood of Jesus, we are cleansed of 
all shame. We are forgiven of all sins, but more. We get this overcoming power going in our lives, this conquering power going in our marriage and our finances. I mean, look how the Bible climaxes in the book of Revelation. It says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb. And so now it's our time to kick our prayers into high gear when we take the sip of juice, because now we can pray for overcoming power over anything in our lives. So I'd like for us, you and I right now, to practice communion, the Lord's Supper, together. I'm going to share with you the message that the Lord Jesus gave to the Apostle Paul. And as we go through it, we'll take the bread, we'll take the cup together. Here we go. Oh, this is another good scripture, but let's just skip it. Get to the Apostle Paul stuff. Paul writes, for what I received from the Lord, what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. Get your oyster cracker, your Ritz cracker. Get your little piece of bread. Let's take it together now. The body of Christ. Remembering his suffering, remembering his anguish. Remember that he died so that we don't have to die. Remember that by his wounds, his physical wounds, we are healed. The blows he suffered bind us to him. Then take your cup. And when he had given thanks, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup, is a new agreement in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup together. The blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. I know this, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Your life is the gospel. Christ crucified for your sins and risen from the dead, which triggers the supernatural explosive power of God to change things in your life and to deliver and save. In Jesus' name, amen. Pray with me. Father, we ask your grace now over everyone watching and participating. Make them sense your presence and power. Surround them with your love and grace, Lord. We celebrate you, Lord, because what we've just eaten and what we've just drank. It breaks the chains, breaks the chains of sin, breaks the chains of addiction, breaks the chains of abuse, breaks the chains of, of painful emotional memories, breaks the chains to set us free in faith and love and hope and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week. 